Dan, thank you very much. One of my goals for 2015 is to be cool. <laughs> Pray for me. I was with my youngest daughter yesterday. She said, I don't think God's going to answer that prayer. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? All right, so great to see everybody. Uh, we're going to begin. Our, 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 our topic is called a, way, a New Way of Seeing the World. And it's the fourth weekend of Advent and, uh, from John 1. So if you have a Bible, if you need a Bible, raise your hands. If, you, you know, if you've got an iPad or phone, pull that out and get the text out. I'd like us to start, however, with a moment of uh, silence before the Lord. And here's the reason why. Uh, silence in Scripture in the presence of God is, in, is Christian spirituality. It's, it's the core of, better said, it's the core of Christian spirituality. There's lots of things that are important in following Jesus. But there are certain things that are core. Silence and scripture are core because they deepen our awareness of ourselves and of God. In other words, they create an atmosphere, a context where the scriptures and the truth can actually get in. And so I want to begin today with a minute of silence and I want to close with a minute of silence because we're going to be talking about a new way of seeing the world. And the way to see the world differently is to allow Jesus to have full access into your interior life. His will and his presence can flood your life. But the way he's going to get access, one of the keys is not just scripture, it's silent so we can actually dig in. All right, so, so most, peop- most Christians in the Western world do not have silence as part of their practice of following Jesus. And what I want to say to you is, I don't believe you can really grow in any depth long term that what we're going to talk about today, which is the heart of what Christmas is about, to, for it to actually enter in, it's going to be very difficult without slowing down and having some silence in your life. So I'll be the timekeeper. I want you to get comfortable, not so comfortable that you fall asleep, but comfortable. And uh, I don't know if you do silence, so it's kind of thing like anything, it's like exercising. You know, you, the more you do it, the more natural it becomes, the more easy it is. But when you first do it, it's like, oh my gosh, this doesn't work for me. Because your mind is racing, you've got a thousand, they say, you know, monkeys flying around your mind, a million distractions. And, and uh, so it's kind of thing where you, you start slow and you build. And uh, for me, I, I do 20 minutes every morning, just foundational. You know, with scripture and other things I do. But like, I, I could, like, if I don't do silence, watch out. And I do silence in the morning, and I, I pause for some silence during the day, like a few times. Just, you know, a minute, two minutes here, five minutes here, just because it anchors me. And we'll talk about that more later. So I, I think we, we underestimate how critical this is to, to, to spirituality uh, with Christ. So with that, um, I'm going to invite you, you know, the, the, if you, the Eastern churches in the Eastern part of the world, uh, they, they are very much into what's called breath prayer. Breath prayer is... Uh, using your breath to actually become aware of yourself and, and the breath of God, the spirit of God. And so they often have prayers that go with, they breathe, you know, so just get, get like, you know, comfortable, you know, just, just be aware right now, just breathing in. Now take a deep breath in and, then, you know, because it, we're just gonna, oh, all right. You know, you're, you're, the very fact that you're breathing is just, the, you know, it's the reflection of the breath of God. So I invite you to close your eyes. And every time your mind wanders, it's, oh, what I do is like, oh, yeah, Jesus. I'm, I'm just in the presence of Jesus. I'm allowing his love to embrace me, to surround me. To, and every breath I take, I invite him to fill me. And every breath out, well, all that's not of you, Lord, I just breathe it out. All right, so let's take a minute. Let's be still before the Lord together.
Amen. Well done. Yesterday I went to uh, Manhattan because I love the window displays. I didn't have a big agenda for shopping, a couple things, but it wasn't a big deal. It was more just going for the atmosphere. It was crazy. I almost got run over at Macy's. And, uh, you know, every time I get into a shopping mall or experience like that, I'm just so aware that our culture has moved on with Christmas. I mean, it's very secular, uh, very much consumer-based, good for the economy. But Jesus is just a far cry. I couldn't couldn't even find anything that resembled Jesus. Crosses, I mean, it's just, it's gone in the culture. And, uh, and so it's so overt now in, at least the United States, where people want to, to, to like, associate Jesus even with Christmas. is like, something's wrong with you. And so, you know, you've got these American atheists organization, for example. They've got these digital posters floating around. Who needs Christ during Christmas? And their answer is nobody. And very overt. And in fact, the New Jersey chapter of the atheist, they, oh, atheist group, you know, they, they, they put a, a um, billboard in Bible Belt, Arkansas that said, you know it's a myth, you know, this season, celebrate reason. You know, just, just, and so that's David Silverman, the president of the atheist group, said this, this year, start a new tradition. Don't go to church. You hate it. It's bothering you. You probably only go because you feel guilty or obligated. Instead, spend more time with your family and friends. Volunteer. There are better uses of your time and money. You know, we have to just recognize this is, this is, where, this is the culture that we live in now. And so uh, what I want, to do, I want to talk to you about, about seeing the world with new eyes, basically. You know, receiving new eyes. But uh, so that we actually have some depth to who we are and what we understand is Christmas. That is, a, is part of a, like a movie set. See, it's a fake building. There's nothing behind it. Uh, how many of you have heard the expression Potemkin village? It, it's a phrase used a lot in, in, in literature, and you'll see it in magazines. And uh, it comes from something that happened in 1787. There was a Russian field marshal named Gregorio Potemkin. And Russia had just recently taken over uh, Crimea, that part of the you know, near the Black Sea, which they recently did again. Uh, and Catherine the Great was the empress over Great Russia at that time. So this general, Potemkin, wanted to really impress Catherine the Great. So he invited her for a thousand-mile tour of his province. And uh, he, he set the date four years in advance. And what he did was, all along the pathway... He created all of these fake villages <laughs> that were beautiful because it was a very poor, poor area. And they would have a facade of a village, like a face of a village, but behind it there was nothing, there was no reality. And then he got all these peasants under threat, of course, to line the, I think they were really happy, line the streets happy. Yeah, Catherine the Great, we love you, you know. And then when she would go and like, you know, park her carriage with her people and sleep overnight, he would then move the peasants to the next village. You know, so this thousand miles was all a fake. And so there's this expression used now in, at least you'll, you'll read something called, oh, this politician's, oh, it's a, Potem- it's a Potemkin facade. That was his name, General Gregorio Potemkin. And I say that because so much of Christianity... And so many Christians, it's like we approach Christmas, it's all, it's all like a fake. It's like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah I hope you, you know, we go to church, pop in. But it's like we believe, we believe in Jesus, God in the flesh, and all the stories, and we sing the songs, but there's nothing behind it. There's just not a lot. It's thin. It's, 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 it's there, but it's thin. So what I want to invite you to today, everybody, I want to, I want to invite you to, to, a, to invite Jesus in to some access deep in your life so that it becomes real. It's got actually some substance to it. And so our text is, is actually one of the most... So the message is very simple. In fact, if you get today's message, I'm telling you, you owe me one, all right? Because your Christmas is going to be different. And your New Year's is going to be different. Because you're going to approach it differently, you're going to see it differently. But you, you, the invitation I believe God has for us today uh, is a bit challenging. 
All right, so, so here's our, our text, a new way of seeing the world, is coming out of John 1. And I want to read it. And I like what one scholar said about this text in John 1, verses 1 to 18. He said that it's called the prologue to John. He says, it, he wrote this, he says, this scholar said, what is written here in these verses is beyond the power of a human being to speak. In other words, these words are so deep and they're so profound, it's hard to believe a human being actually penned it. That's how in, it's incredible these 18 verses are. So, 18 verses are. so actually for the last three and a half months, probably three, three and a half months, I have been meditating on this text. I could preach for five hours. I've just been pondering, and I tell you, I feel like I've been in it like an inch deep. And I have been in these 18 verses as part of my time with God every day for three months. I should have brought, I should have taken a picture of all my notes, just devotionally. Just, but I'm telling you, there's so much here. I'm going to bring out just a couple of things. But I'm more important, I'm very concerned about us applying it, you know, getting it into our lives. So let's read it together, uh, beginning at verse uh, one. I'm going to skip a few verses, okay, so you know, just for the sake of, you know, not as relevant to what I'm going to say today. But uh, here, thus says the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind or humankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So it's unbelievable. So, so basically he begins... John, with this incredible image, basically it's about God's, God's crazy for the world. I mean, he's wildly in love for the world, human beings. And, and this God of the universe, he calls him the Word. And he paints this image in, in the first verse, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and he's, kind of, he's bringing out this issue of God, one God, and, 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 and God the Father, God the Son. One God, three persons, is kind of an interaction, cooperation. And so he refers to Jesus as the Word. And he goes, the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? And then verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, that, that God came into human history. Jesus. That's what, it's Christmas, the incarnation. And he says, but I want you to know something. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. I want you to think about that for a minute. That means that everything that's made in the universe was made by Jesus, was imprinted by Jesus. That's why even a person who's an atheist, a person who's agnostic, I don't even believe in God, it doesn't matter, you know what? God made you, part of you wants him, because you were made by him. Do you understand? Think of, think of your liver, think of your ligaments, think of your knee, think of your, your head, think of your heart, made by Jesus. I love cats, dogs, giraffes, hippopotamuses, made by Jesus. Stars, galaxies, you know, black holes, made by Jesus. Do you understand? He made it all. And this almighty God came in flesh into the world. That's the point. He's expanding on that. And the light was in the world, he says, you know, and lighting all human, humankind. In other words, we don't even realize. We don't even realize how that light is going out into the world because our, our, our focus is very limited. I, when I was in Asia last year, I'll never forget meeting this guy who was pastoring this church. I'm not going to name the country. And it was all formerly Muslims. And he said 90 to 95% of his church had come to Christ through visions and dreams directly from Jesus. Because Peter, I'm just telling you, he started telling me story, the story, the story. He goes, he goes God, Jesus is alive in ways you have no idea. Part, we th you got it such a limit. You think he even needs human beings? His, his light is revealing himself all through history in the world. So this God of the universe who made it all, 
An incredible picture here. He's called the Word. And it's very interesting, this Word, because that Word, it's kind of like an ancient philosophical word, but it's very significant because what that means is that, that it has to do with God's longing to communicate. Words communicate. Do you understand? And so God is called the Word. Jesus is called the Word because it's God. He, he wants to communicate to the human race. The great mystery of all of human life, all of world religions, is who is God? Right, that's, that's why we have so many ton, tens of thousands of religions. Who is this God? And, and so, and so here's, what, here's what John's saying here. Here's what the scripture saying is that you want to know who God is? You want to know what he's like? You want to know what he does? You want to know what he feels? You want to know what he wants? What's important to him? This greatest mystery of life of who is God? Look at Jesus. The word became flesh. That's why they came to Jesus in John 14. They said, the disciples said, Jesus, show us the Father, and then we'll be fine. And he says, Jesus says, have I been with you so long? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus' whole point is that he is God in the flesh. Friends, that's Christmas. That's what we're talking about. It's so big. But God loves you and human beings so much in the world that he actually came to speak and, and to communicate so that's why this, this message of Christmas is the most profound reality in the universe. It's the most profound event that happened in human history is, is what we're talking about here in four days, that God came to earth in the person of Jesus. And of course, that along with the cross and the resurrection, he died and rose from the dead. Those, that, those are the events of history that are the most real. Everything else is just a facade. It's like this, you know, it's, oh, it's on the outside Christian. It's all religion. What's really deep going on here is the fact that God became flesh. So, so think of this. I mean, you know, this is, a, this is, a, like, this is the Milky Way galaxy. You know, and there, there's us. We're like a little dot in there somewhere, you know? And there's billions and billions of galaxies. Do you understand that, you know, the United States, you know, but like, like God Almighty came to Earth. Just let that sit with you for a minute. And a human being became one of us to communicate to us, that we might know his love, we might know him personally, that we might give him access into our lives. But he came for you and for me. So so here, here's, again, here's some truths that we're talking about here in John 1. The invisible God came to earth in a real historical human being. He didn't come as a ghost. A real historical human being. You know, God who existed outside of time and space, he entered time and space. Like, like, God's eternal. There's no time with God before, yesterday, 100 million years from now, 100 million years back. It's all, God created time. He enters time. The immense became a minute, measurable point. I mean, just think about that. Well, how, how big is God? I mean, immense, I mean, endless, eternal. I mean, the immense God became a minute, measurable Point. I mean, it's staggering. I mean, the Almighty became a baby. The divine became human. The eternal became temporal. The infinite became finite. The immortal God became mortal. I mean, take a deep breath for a minute. My God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's pretty deep. That whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That you wouldn't waste your life. Perishing is wasting your life. You might have life and have it eternally. So, friends, this 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 is profound. And so... It's a, it, it, the only response to this is, is wonder and awe and worship. There aren't words. And, and, and Paul describes that the love of Jesus surpasses human knowledge. That we, To know the height and depth and breadth of the love of God. Friends, we will never fully grasp it. We will spend all, we, you'll be 100 billion years from now in God's presence. You will not fully grasp it at that point. And that's so deep. It's the oceans magnified 100,000 times. The love of God for you. You're like, I don't, I don't feel God's love. You don't know anything. You don't feel God's love. You don't understand. It's, it's a revelation. It's, it's, it's deep. And we're running around. Do you understand? We don't have time for it to actually get in. And so we're like a fake village. 
But there's something else that, that he's talking about here that I want to bring out. The light shines on. Jesus is referred to as the light. The light shines on. Actually, the, the verse says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, verse 5. But if you were going to expand the verse out in the original Greek language, this is how it would read. The light shines on still even now in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. It's a very important emphasis because, you know, you feel like, oh, no, darkness is just putting it out. This, is, this Jesus thing is not working. And in fact, the word, and the darkness can never put it out. That's a word for a violent ending, crushing it. It's a word actually for the, for the crucifixion. And, and through life, nothing can, even violent, people can try to put Jesus out, can never be put out. The light shines on in the darkness still, even now, and the darkness will never put it out. So, the world did not welcome Jesus. Okay? Most people do not today either. So despite all outward appearances that the world's getting worse, man, this is bad out there. No, light is winning. That it will always be the deepest fact of human history that the light shines on still, even now the darkness, the darkness can never, never put it out. Darkness will never put out. Satan can't do it. The world can't do it. Sin can't do it. Nothing can put it out. So, just this past year has been a dark year, globally. It's been a dark year, I mean, my gosh. I mean, just watching ISIS alone in northern Iraq and Syria, incredibly disheartening. I mean, the church in Syria and northern Iraq goes back 2,000 years, okay? This country's 200 years, all right? I mean, our church is 27 years, all right? So these churches go way back. I have a friend who's a PhD in Syrian church history. I mean, I'm going to talk about like, these churches have an incredible wealth of history in that part of the world. Do you understand? They got wiped out. They got wiped out in weeks. You saw the pictures. Destroying churches, putting them to dust. I mean, it was, it was horrific. They crucified Christians. They beheaded Christians. They, they, they drove them from their homes. They took women as slaves. I mean, it was unbelievable. It happened so fast. It was the church. It was our brethren. And it looks like, oh my gosh, they just wiped out the church. The darkness just overcame it. No, 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 no. The light shines on still even now. In the darkness. And the darkness can never put it out. Temporary. You look what happened in Nigeria. To go to those 276 young girls as slaves, okay? It's like, oh my God, it's just wiping out the church. Nigeria is a lot of Christians. More than we have in New York, I'll tell you that. The Boko Haram. I mean, my God. But you know what? The light shines on still even now in the darkness. The darkness will never put it out. I say Nazi Germany. I can't imagine being a Christian in Nazi Germany. You know, I've done a lot of reading. I mean, a lot of Christians went to the concentration camps, you know. A lot of Christians saw the evil of Hitler in the early 30s. They all died. Spoke out. But you know what? If you were in that concentration camp of your faith in Jesus, you would have been saying, I think darkness is just wiped. You would say, my God. Right? No, no, no. You got to hear this, everybody. The light shines on still even now in the darkness. And the darkness can never put it out. Let me tell you something. The racial dynamics going on in this country, the last, I mean, last few weeks, I mean, it's not new. Obviously, we've got, we got a history of 350 years of slavery, okay, of racism. It's, it's part of the culture. And, you know, we've made advances, but it's, it's bad out there, all right? And so we've had deaths of African-Americans. Do you realize somebody executed two police? I mean, the horror of that in retaliation yesterday? I mean, that is dark. That is, that, is, that is so dark. But we've got to say something here that's true, that the light shines on still even now in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. It's not, see, we as Christians are different because we're in reality. We're not medicating ourselves. We're not escaping. No, we actually do watch the news, which is generally bad news. And everybody else is saying, oh, oh, the darkness is just getting worse and worse. We say, no, 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 no. The light shines on still even now in the darkness. And the darkness will never put it out. It's not that we don't feel. Well, we, enter, we, we actually are the people who most enter into the pain of life. We actually feel it. But we're not flippant about it. But, we're, but we're, we're, we've, we understand something. That the light shines. So, so I love Here's a picture. I saw this a few months ago. This is the light. In other words... Here it comes. I love that picture. Because you see, 
you feel like nothing's happening. And every time you go pray for someone, that's what you're doing. You say, no, the light shines on still, even now in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. It's tremendous. It's the best gift you could ever give a person is to give them that for Christmas. So on a personal level, you know, you know, we have our own, like, what's your darkness today that you're carrying? They feel like, I, it's just, just dark, man. It's just like, Pete, nothing, it's, nothing's happening here. I've been praying for this for so long. Uh, and it looks like darkness is reigning and ruling. So what's yours? I mean, it may be a divorce. And a divorce is a death for sure. It's a darkness, that kind of betrayal. But I want you to hear this. God's light will never be put out. Never. Maybe a job loss and you were told you'll never work again. You know what? You're too old. You don't fit the economy. You know what? The darkness can never put it out. You got to hear that. That's why we stay. We don't quit. We don't run off. We don't, get, we don't drug ourselves up to medicate from pain. Because we understand that God has come in the flesh in Jesus. He's alive. He's crazy in love with the human race. He's in love with you, me. Me, I don't understand what's going on. But the light shines on in the darkness and the darkness can never put it out. And so I don't know what's going on, but I'm staying with Jesus right now because he's alive. And so there's got a little more to Christmas than just feeling good. There's something deeper going on here. Maybe, maybe you find out you got cancer. I mean, I, I've seen a few folks die from Lou Gehrig's disease. You ever seen Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS? It's a very challenging way to die. We're all going to die, okay? You will be there facing that frightening moment of death, okay? But I want to tell you something. We can say to death itself, even in that worst moment. You know what? The light shines on still. Even now. In the darkness. And the darkness can never put it out. So I believe in a resurrection even though this is hard. And I'm about to walk through a door into something unknown. Again, you may be in a horrific marriage. Horrific singleness. You may have a child that was suicidal. Killed himself. I mean, I, I mean it's part of life. There's a lot of darkness out there. Physical disabilities. I mean, people that even right now are in deep depression can't even leave their rooms. They're so depressed. Do you understand the gift it is to go to that person in deep depression and say, you know what, I understand. You can't even see the reason to get out of bed right now. So I'm going to pray for you. You can't pray for yourself. I want to pray for you. That the light shines on still even now in the darkness. And the darkness can never put it out. So would you mind if I just prayed to you for you right now? Do you understand, friends? That is the gift we offer. Everything else is window dressing. I'm into buying gifts and all that. But you know, this is the gift. So light shines. Every new trial, every hardship you face, every setback is a, is a, is, is a fresh grace of God coming to you for something good. I don't understand it all. So, so here's the invitation of Christmas. It's, it's, you've got to receive this. In other words, okay, you've got, you got, the, you got the light image. I just love that. Hold that in your head, that image, okay, as you go and you walk and pray for people. But the invitation of Christmas is to welcome Jesus in, 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 in your life. It's to, I'm going to use the phrase, it's to give Jesus access, full access to your life. It's to open the door of your life widely, very widely, not partially, that he can fill it. It is to receive him is the biblical word, to trust him is the biblical word. So you'll see this text here. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now understand, his own is the human race. That's us. Jesus came. Most people did not receive him. But he says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. That word receive and believe is the word for those who, who open the door. Those who allowed Jesus to have access into their hearts. Those who welcomed him. Okay? He says, to them he gave the right to become children of God. They, they have the incredible privilege to be welcomed into his family. And uh, so, anybody, anybody. Do you realize that? The Christian life is so simple. It's for a child. It's for a brilliant intellectual. It doesn't matter. It's such a, it's such a simple receive. It's 
It's give access. It's open the door. It's, it's trust. It's this, I, I just, okay, okay, Jesus. That's why I was, it's children. And, and, but so you can't, you don't, you don't get this, you, you don't become a Christian and live this Christian life because your parents are Christian, not of natural descent. You, you don't get in through somebody else. You, know, you don't get in through a human decision. You don't say, okay, I'm a Christian today. No, no, no. no sorry. You can't even make yourself a Christian. And you know what? It's not of a husband's will. What he's referring to there, it's not psychological manipulation. I can't do something up here to manipulate you to come into the kingdom of God. I can't do something up here. People have tried. You know what? Manipulate services to get people to make a decision for Christ. They can make a decision. It doesn't mean mean they're going to be born of God. But we can get them up here to the altar. The only way a person is going to come to Christ is be born of God. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's something, that's why Jesus said, Jesus said in John 3, he says, he says, Nicodemus, unless you're born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Something from above has got to invade your life. So that something at the base of who you are is completely changed. You are regenerated. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You're a new person. It's, he compares it to, it's like being born physically on the earth. And the physically come out of your mother's womb, it's like you're, you're born into something new. And, and, but you have to make access. You have to receive. That's becoming a Christian. Now, you may be here today. You say, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure I am a Christian. Well, you know what? Today's your day. To receive Jesus, to open up that door. He died for you, rose again, and he's here. But that's, your, that's, that's coming to Christ. And you come forward at the end of the service. I want to invite you to receive Jesus. Let him let be born of God. Let something happen in you that can happen no other way. It's a miracle. Okay, that, that, that's, that's, that's a moment. But the whole Christian life is one of remaining in a posture of trusting. Believing we're is trusting, of receiving, of giving Jesus full access to your life. It's having the door wide open to him. Now, so you can come to Christ, but the door's not open very much. Yeah, he's in you, but you know what? You pretty much got things under control. You're making it. You do what you want. Yeah, you got, you know, you, you're like this. So there's a very famous painting uh, from, from Europe in the, in the 1800s. Now, I, I just want to say at the outset, this is, this is, from, uh, this is a European Jesus. All right? Okay? We got our African Jesuses. We have our Asian Jesuses. We have our Latino Jesuses. This is our Europe Jesus, okay? So just, just get any of you offended by Europe's Jesus, okay? We don't know what he looked like, but every culture seems to make him his own. That's okay. So, so this is Jesus. This actually, this was a painting done uh, to to make visible the text I'm talking about to you. About this is about receiving Jesus, or or the word believe is the word to trust. See, the work of God, Jesus said, is to trust in the one He has sent. The word trust is like I'm I'm, I'm giving you wide access. I'm receiving you. I'm trusting you. And, and the image used in the, in the New Testament is also that of opening a door. And John, in Revelation 3.22, was written actually to Christians. It's written to a church in Laodicea. And uh, it's, it's, used, it's used for evangelism, but really it's a text of discipleship. It says, Jesus says, um, here I am. Here he is. He's at a door. That's a door here. That's Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, the context of this passage is Jesus is approaching a whole church. It's like Jesus come to New Life Fellowship Church. Hey, can I come in here? No. We're doing a lot for you. We got a lot on the plate right now. We got New Year's Eve. We got Christmas Eve. We got children's programs. I got to go shopping. I got a lot to do. And half of it's for you. And I'm giving you money to boot. That's what's going on with the church of Laodicea, just so you know. It's very, very ironic, isn't it? And, but he comes to us, of course, individually in the same thing. And, and so what, what's so powerful about this is that, you see, to eat, see, now, again, it's great. Here's Jesus. And it's like, honestly, this painting, it's like he's almost ready to walk away because, like, I've been knocking for a while. And, like, there's no response here. And so you'll notice there's no doorknob on the outside, very important. 
And uh, it's on the inside because, you see, if, if I was, this is, this, is, this is the God Almighty of the universe, okay? You understand, this is, this is, what's so incredible about this picture to me, and even Revelation 3.22 is a text, it's like, if I'm God, I'm the Almighty God, I made you, I'm coming in, okay? I'm busting the door down, and we're going to straighten this place out right now. What do you mean you don't want me in? Who do you think you are? Okay, that'd be my attitude. But that's not how God, God is so, he comes to us Weak. He comes to us tenderly. I mean, he so respects and loves our freedom. Because, you see, you can't have love if there's no freedom. You can put a gun to our head. You can't, that's not going to make you believe. But God allows himself to actually be rejected. I mean, it's amazing. Think about it. So here he is. He loves you. I mean, this is the God Almighty of the universe, the Word made flesh, the one who holds the galaxies in his hand, the one who died for you. I mean, I'm going to say this. I'm not giving my daughter for you. I, love, I like you, I love you, but I'm not giving my daughter for you. He gave his son for you, all right? Died for you. He said, I'm knocking, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I'll come in. Give me full access. No! You can come in, you can look. But you ain't coming in, dude. I don't know what you're going to do if I let you in. You're going to mess up my whole life. Who knows what you're going to do? I got a plan here. And I got a lot going on right now. So do you understand? So, so he doesn't really get full access. He gets partial access. Now, when I say full access, I'm talking about you're, you're going to be in full access to, to, to his will and his presence. You see, we get confused a lot. We confuse spiritual disciplines and practices with opening the door of our heart. No, you don't understand. Like, a spiritual practice is, meant, is, an end, is only a means to an end. You're here. You know, okay, let's say, for example, okay, I... I, I I spend time with God every morning in silence. Here I am, silent, okay, before the Lord. Okay, be still before the Lord. But I can be in silence and not let him have access. I'm just in silence. I'm more relaxed. My body feels better. But I've not let Jesus in access to the fact that I'm going to, you know, you're all going to your fa- A lot of you are going to be with families. You can't stand your family, okay? They're going to drive you crazy. You'll be with Uncle Leo that you hate his guts, you know, and all this stuff that comes out. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I know. But you let Jesus in. You let him have access. Jesus, I want to offer you. I want you to come in fill me, Lord, in the silence. Fill me with your presence. Because I I want your will in the way I relate to Uncle Leo. I want your presence to fill me, Lord. Change me. Melt my heart so it's filled with love for him. I won't be like I've done the last 18 Christmases. So some people, I, read, I, said, people I, I, I said, well, tell me about your time with God. Well, I read, a, I read a scripture every morning. I read the scripture and I go to work. Or I read a devotional and I move on. I said, that's it? I said, that's it. I said, that's not giving Jesus access to anything. You just read a scripture. You did your religious duty and you're moving on. Do you follow me? You come to church today. Okay, I hope you feel better. I mean, I love the worship, phenomenal. I uplifting, that's good. But that's not the goal. The means of you coming to worship and be here in church and have fellowship in a small group like this, why? Is so that you open the door wide of your heart to give him access to his presence and his will floods your life. Do you understand? The goal of every spiritual practice is this. This is the core of the whole Christian life. That he has access at work, your money, your how you're making decisions on what you're doing. I just, I had pros and cons. I'm into pros and cons. But that ultimately is not how I make a decision. It's me. I have to slow down my life. That's why if you're running, you know you're a Potemkin village. Because this takes time. In fact, the word is, in in Revelation 3.20, if you open the door and let me in, we will eat together. That when they ate in the ancient Near East, it was not McDonald's. Okay? It's not fast food. In, out. Ancient Near Eastern meals were long and slow. To have fellowship with Jesus takes time. So I've got to slow down my life and get some rhythms and structure so that I'm keeping that door wide open. So that I'm allowing Jesus full access into the interior of my life, in my marriage, the way I raise my kids, the kind of gifts I'm buying, the way I spend Christmas, the way I do New Year's, the way I date, you name it, from your sexuality to your free time to your money to the boss you can't stand to the employee you want to fire, you name it. It's letting Jesus have full access to the whole thing. That's a life. 
That's the invitation of Christmas. To see the world in a whole new way requires giving him full access to his will. And, and then it means I've got to have some silence to make that a reality. So I want to close with, honestly, a little moment of, of allowing it to happen. And uh, so, you know, here's my test. Now, I don't know about you. I, 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 I don't know about you, but I can trick myself. Do you, you ever find you can trick yourself like you can, like things are going better than they are type of thing with God? So I, here's my, here's a great little test for you. Uh, you know, here's, you know you're not allowing God full access in your life when? I got 10 things here. I'm going to add an 11, but I got 10. You know you're not allowing God full access in your life when you can't shake the pressure you feel from having too much to do in too little time. Something's wrong. Okay? Because you're doing some stuff he's not asked you to do. Because he's given you plenty of time to do everything he's asking you to do. You're always rushing. He's not in a rush. God's never rushing. Do you know that? So something's off. You know, you're routinely firing off quick opinions and judgments. You know what? God doesn't see people like that. That's coming from another place. Some of you are going, check, check, check. You're fearful about the future. What's going to happen? Oh, my God. I know. You have no control. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? God's appointed a day for you. It's going to die. You can nothing. It's done. Check. Overly concerned about what others think. Oh, my God. Stories I could tell. It's unbelievable. People with great educations do things that are so nutty because somebody, they want to look good to somebody else. Are defensive and easily offended. Don't go like this to your friend or your spouse, it's like, which some people did second service. I caught them. Right? <laughs> you know you're not allowing God full access in your life when you are routinely preoccupied and distracted. Because you see, when we're allowing Jesus full access, you actually... You don't get bored because you're actually enjoying life. You don't have to constantly distract yourself because you're actually you're present with the incredible gift of life. You're actually seeing people for who they are. Life is very rich. It's very peaceful. It's very joyful. But the reason we have to distract and be entertained constantly is because we're so internally out of whack. And so we've got to fill our time. You know you're allowing God full access in your life when you consistently ignore the stress, anxiety, and tightness of your body. When your body's feeling it, you know it. When you feel unenthusiastic or threatened by the success of others, it bothers you. Why should they be doing better than me? They're not even a Christian. When you routinely spend more time talking than listening. You know, I did, I did, the, 11th, the 11th one is so important that I didn't put it on here. You know you're not allowing God full access in your life when you are not spending time in Scripture. You know, so like Scripture is God speaking to us. I mean, God speaks through many ways. So we need silence, but we also need Scripture. Just need it. He speaks. Well, the primary way, without it, we're just a Potemkin village. We're just religious people talking about Jesus and singing a few carols. But do you understand? There's a new way of seeing the world, but it requires that we give Jesus access. And that access is going to be found with some silence. So I want to close. Uh, so here it is. Welcome, give access, open the door. That's what I want to invite you to today. To allow God's will and presence full access in my life. So just so you know, guys, this is how I live my entire Christian life every day. And I do a variety of practices from daily offices to Sabbath keeping to worship to fellowship, a lot of things. But all those are just means to an end. It's to be in the place where I'm just allowing God's will, freedom in my life. Okay, Lord, whatever you want. A little scary, isn't it? Present, I want your presence to flood me and fill every part of my being, every decision, every interaction, every relationship, every thought about the future. Wow. Wow, that's, that's deep. So, worship team, why don't you come forward? And let's take a moment and uh, let's, let's be quiet before the Lord. And, uh, and so again, I want you to think of that you know, picture that was up before, you know? And I want you to imagine you opening the door. See, trusting is another way of saying receiving, trusting, welcoming, opening the door. 
whatever phrase you want to use, are all good to give Jesus his will and his presence full access in your life. So why don't you try to just, just, you know, close your eyes. If you want to open up your hands up towards heaven on your lap, just kind of open. You're not clenched fists. Lay aside your fears. And I want to invite you to you know, be silent and still before the Lord. And if Jesus says, if any person hears my voice. Now, it's been said that if you don't hear anything from Jesus, because your heart has become hard, that's scary. But if you feel a little bit of a nudge or a little bit of a something from Jesus, you're in a good place. I want to invite you to open up the door in silence and just inviting Jesus' will and his presence to flood you with light. Okay? So let's begin. Thank you, everybody. I can't wait for next week. Next week, I'll do part two. All right, with that, let's all stand up. Let's worship together. So when you say grace, you know, at at meals or Christmas, you want to just be approaching grace differently. You know, you say, oh, yeah. Let's give Jesus access. I'm not just saying a perfunctory prayer. We're like, Jesus, I want to invite your will and presence to fill me right now. Thank you for this meal. Do you understand that everything you do, you come at that with a different lens. So with that, uh, the worship team, um, prayer teams, why don't you come forward to uh, your left. We've got the Lord's table to your right. And I want to invite you to come and partake of communion, eat and drink of Jesus. It's one of the ways that we abide in him. It's one of the ways we remain in him. It's one of the ways that we come with an open heart. Again, it's just eating, it means nothing unless we come with that right attitude, right? Of access. And as we close here, I want to invite you to come forward. Now, you know, coming forward for prayer, you may be a person that you're in darkness right now, you can't see a thing, and it's like, oh my God, you know, the light shines on still even now in the darkness. The darkness can never put it out. And you want to come forward whatever your darkness is and we'll pray for you. We'll stand with you. That's fantastic. Uh, and you come. I want to especially invite those of you who are here and and you know what? You're not even sure you've ever opened the door of your life to Jesus at all. You just didn't understand it. And like, okay, I got it. You come forward and, and say, I'm, I'm coming forward as a, a Jesus died, rose to me. I'm opening up the door of my life to receive Jesus today. Today's your day. Like it's a journey. But at some point, you know, you cross a line. Today may be your day. You come. Receive Christ. Uh, or you may be here and you know what? You're, you know Christ. You're a Christian. But you know what? Your door is pretty much shut. I mean, he's inside, but you know, he's got like a, you know, he's got a small bedroom in the attic, you know, and, and so like you, you open the door a little bit, you pop in church, you know what, but you're, the idea of opening it all the way, it's all of the whole package deal, today I want to invite you to do that. And not, not just today, but like this becomes your posture of your life. You're always doing that. Everything's trying to pull you away constantly from that posture of a door wide open to Jesus. And I want to invite you today to make that decision. And come on forward and you, it's your moment, you know, to kind of make an initial turnaround to Christ. All right? Thank you. What a wonderful day. Thank you, worship team, for serving us. And so appreciate that. So as we close, we have a nice little custom here of like, if you'd like to do it, I invite you to open your hands up towards heaven like this. And, you know, it's just a posture again of full access to the will and presence of Jesus. 
Receiving Him. I'm always receiving Him. And take a nice deep breath. And let just receive this blessing from God as we close. So may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make His face shine on you now. May the light of Jesus and the presence of Jesus as you have that door open, may it flow right into your hands, through your body, through your mind, and through your spirit. May God do a work in you of melting your fears that His love would just flood you. And may you experience a touch of the freedom of allowing Jesus full access to your life. May the Lord slow you down to make some adjustments in the structure of your life. May you hear His voice and guidance on how to do that. And may you give hope and life and witness to those you will touch this next week in the name of Jesus. So you receive a blessing that you may be a blessing, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you.